Hello, Oyster Bay, and happy Friday, or happy Monday, or whatever day you're listening to this. I hope it's a happy day. Uh, this week on the arena, we sit down with Joshua Lafazan, Nassau County Legislator for the 18th District, which includes Oyster Bay as well as Syosset, Bayville, and a number of other neighboring communities. I want to extend a special welcome to those listeners who are not from Oyster Bay, but who, who have tuned in to hear my conversation with Josh. Thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoy our talk. We have a few other episodes uh, up that you might be interested in as well. Although we are Oyster Bay-centric, we try and make our content uh, accessible to folks who are not from the immediate area. Try and keep it interesting. So Josh Lafazan. Who is Josh Lafazan? Uh, many of you have come up to me and said, oh, you're interviewing that young politician. Uh, and Maybe that's how you know Josh. But maybe you're not that familiar with his uh, backstory and his uh, fairly meteoric rise in Long Island politics. Uh, Joshua ran for uh, school board. That's where he started his career in politics in Syosset uh, back in 2012 at the age of 18 while he was still a senior in high school. Uh, he was elected with 82% of the vote, thereby becoming the youngest elected politician in New York state history. Um, after serving two terms while simultaneously completing his undergrad at Cornell, uh, well, Nassau Community College as well, we'll talk about that, uh, he went on to get a master's degree at Harvard. Uh, while he was doing that, he ran for and won his current seat in 2017 by defeating Oyster Bay's own Don McKenzie. Um, since he was elected, he's hit the ground running. He's passed, uh, I think it's seven or eight bills now. Uh, including his most recent, which deals with uh, the plight of homeless veterans. Um, he also recently secured $3 million in funding for the re rehabilitation of Stillwell Fields in Syosset, uh, and they definitely need some rehabilitation. Josh has also been very active in the fight against drug and alcohol abuse and was appointed by County Executive Laura Kern to head up the Nassau County Task Force on Marijuana Legalization. Uh, which led to him introducing a bill to opt out of marijuana sales in Nassau County, uh, which recently was unanimously approved by the county legislator, Lature, excuse me. Um, uh, drug and alcohol abuse is uh, uh, something near and dear to Josh's heart. You'll hear at the end of our conversation, we go into that a bit. Uh, if I had an unlimited amount of time, I could have talked to Josh forever. I appreciate the time he was able to give me since he is a very busy guy. Um, in fact, on, on his way to come sit down at our studio, he got a flat tire, and rather than canceling or punting to another day, he hopped in an Uber and, and came over, and I appreciated that extra effort that he put in to get to me. Um, uh, Josh, is a, he's a sharp guy. Uh, his philosophy of government, his ideas on how to get millennials involved in politics, they're all very well thought out and well considered. Uh, although I don't agree with him on every issue, I, I, I certainly have no doubt about his work ethic or his sincerity. Um, he clearly puts his constituents front and center. Uh, so uh, it, was a, it was a good conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, before we get to the interview, I wanted to plug a local Oyster Bay event coming up in two weeks, the Oyster Bay Soccer Club's, Oyster Bay East Norwich Soccer Club's fourth annual fundraiser. It's happening this year on May 10th from 7 to 10 p.m. at Cafe Al Dente in Oyster Bay. Cafe Al Dente is at the spot uh, formerly occupied by Spinnaker's. So if you're familiar with the town, you, 
kind of know where that is. Um, it, it should be a good night. Uh, there'll be food, there'll be drinks, there'll be live music. Um, tickets are $75. Uh, for that, you get three hours of open bar, which sounds pretty good to me. Uh, also, great food, prize baskets. There's a 50-50. There'll be live music. Uh, you can get your tickets on Eventbrite. Uh, I will put a link in the show notes at the Podbean site. You can click on that, or you can just search Facebook for it. Uh, for the OBEN Soccer Club 4th Annual Fundraiser, and it will pop up. So now, without any further ado, I'm going to give you my conversation with Josh Lafazan, and I will be back at the end for some parting thoughts. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Take care. Hello, Oyster Bay, and welcome to this week's uh, edition of the Oyster Bay Arena. This week, I have a special guest, uh, Josh Lafazan who is the uh, legislator for Oyster Bay and nearby towns, uh, District 18, Legislative District 18, is that right? That's right. Josh, thanks a lot for, for coming in to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, I think maybe we, I mean, your your bio is pretty impressive, but I think we might need to start with a little bit of a civics lesson because there are so many uh, different layers of government on Long Island. You have, uh, you have, a, you have, you know, obviously state government, you have county government, and then you have town governments. What what exactly is the job of, of a county legislator? Sure. So it's funny because when I tell people I'm their Nassau County legislator, often, you know, uh, people have a very little idea of what I do. So basically, uh, I am one of 19 legislators in Nassau County. Uh, we have the legislature, and then we have the county executives like the mayor. Uh, the legislature is like the city council is what I liken it to. And we are responsible for making laws on behalf of the 1.3 million residents in Nassau County. Uh, so what does that entail? So we're in charge of Nassau County roads, uh, Nassau County police, Nassau County jails, Nassau County health and human services, uh, Nassau County community college, uh, and, and basically the Nassau County government, which is actually a $3 billion operation. Wow. That's and, uh, bigger than I would have guessed. Yeah. And, you know, Nassau County is actually larger than 12 states. Uh, so I represent <laughs> about 90,000 people here on the North Shore. And uh, I say I have the best job in the world. It, it must be... Uh that must be a fairly fairly complicated situation because that's that's a lot of that's a lot of people. And so, just just for our listeners' edification, the the towns that are within your district are let's see, you got Oyster Bay, Syosset, mm-hmm. uh, sure, Laddingtown, mm-hmm. uh, the Brookvilles, sure, Locust Valley. What am I missing? Center Island. Yep, Bayville. Yeah. So basically, Bayville, I, I say right. it's it's basically a sorry, Sia- Bayville. Yeah, <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Bayville. I say it's a, it's basically Syosset west to Roslyn and East Hills, mm-hmm. north to Bayville and everything in between, Glenhead, and uh, it's basically Northeast Nassau County, and uh, it's actually the largest uh, geographically of the 19 districts. And what what what's the population of that district as a whole, do you know? So it's about 90,000, you know, I represent about 90,000 people, about, oh, 50, that's right, 50, said, yeah, about yeah, 50, yeah. 52,000 registered voters, uh, you know, along the North Shore, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a large district, so, you know, it keeps me running back, and uh, what's, what's neat about the district is uh, the issues facing each community are very diverse, yes. right? So, you know, right now I'm, I'm focusing on actually plane noise in East Hills, right, in terms of planes flying too high, you know, too low overhead, and East Hills has a high altitude and high elevation, so, you know, the plane noise is really, you know, harassment for the residents. Uh, then you shift to Bayville, and we're dealing with you know issues about West Shore Road and issues about the Bayville Bridge. You shift to the Hamlet, and we're dealing really in a downtown. And how do we make sure we have adequate parking for small businesses? How do we make sure we have trash control? You shift down to Syosset, uh, you know, and we're dealing with infrastructure issues because we have the train, and we have to make sure that our downtown can thrive. So it's a really diverse issue in terms of it's a really diverse district in terms of the issues facing each community. Uh, but it keeps the job really interesting. I'll bet it does, and I and I'll, and I'll bet it keeps you pretty hopping. Um, so are you you do this 
full time. I do. Although seven, technically seven days a week. The, the le- legislator position technically is considered a part time position. Correct. So uh, you know, of the nineteen, I'd I, I, I'd say almost all have a full time job outside of this. Uh, when you know, when I ran, there was uh, healthy skepticism, just like there was when I ran at eighteen for the school board. That can he do this at his age? And I made a promise that you know I would serve this full ter- this first term as as a full time legislator, uh, not only to to learn the job, but to learn my district. Uh, right, because I had only served in Syosset, and it was in, incumbent on me to go out into the community, and uh, it takes pl- plenty of time. I had to hire staff and uh, learn how to pass bills and 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 write amendments into budgets. And uh, you know, I've worked seven days a week for for uh, you know since since inauguration. And uh, I'm 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 definitely in need of a vacation, but I've <laughs> I've I've, lo- I've loved every minute. It's a pretty st- steep learning curve, really, if you're if you're going from from that level of, of, of a beginning uh, to, to legislator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, by all accounts and, and from people that I've spoken to around here, you're doing, you're doing a bang up job. Thanks. Um, but you mentioned Syosset and I don't know, I assume a lot of people are familiar with your story, but maybe there are people who are listening who are not. Uh, you were the youngest elected uh, politician in the history of the state of New York, if I'm not, yes, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And that was uh, when you ran for school board in 2012 uh, in Syosset. And, uh, you know, I lived in Syosset at the time. My wife and I uh, were, were renting up there and we had a we had a son in the district. He was in second grade at the time. And we thought, wow, what a, what a, what a great idea to actually have a, s- a student, somebody who has some skin in the game uh, to be on the board. And the fact that that had not ever been done previously kind of blew our collective minds. And, and then you went ahead and won the election with 82 percent of the vote. Um, what was it that I mean, I remember myself when I was an 18 year old and um, in my senior year of high school. And the last thing on my mind <laughs> was let me run for school board and, and see what I can do uh, about about the, the, the budget and, and whatnot. How did you come to that decision that that was something that you wanted to do? Sure. And, and, and it's it's the question I'm asked most commonly. So, I'll bet. So, so for me, uh, I was always interested in politics and government. I was senior class president at the time. Uh, I was an avid speech and debater. Um, Syosset was unique in terms of we had a superintendent who collected a pay package of over half a million dollars. Dr. Carol Hankin. That's right. And and, and there was ire in the community because we were tired of being on the front page of Newsday for all the wrong reasons. And <laughs> and people were frustrated that with a pay package of, uh, you know, making more than the president of the United States for a district of 6,000 kids, um, the students weren't listened to, right? I had, you know, myriad ideas from, you know, my classmates and I that we wanted to see come to fruition. And quite honestly, we weren't listened to by the administration. Uh, so I decided that the only way I was going to be able to represent the students and again, who better to represent students than a student themselves? And who better to know what programs worked and didn't work than a student that was in the classroom for 13 years and in those programs? So uh, I got a couple buddies of mine, and you know, I don't come from. People ask me all the time if I come from a political family. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm the first person in my family, both sides, to ever run for office, uh, and and I don't come from an incredibly wealthy family. So it's not like my, you know, we, you know, we could just bankroll a campaign. This campaign was 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 run on grit, and my buddies and I, we printed literature on computer paper and Microsoft Word. And we went door to door with with no data. We Re- just went door to door. politics. It was just door to door, old fashioned. Hi, yeah. I'm Josh Lafazan. I'm senior class president, and I want to be on your school board. Uh, and people, you know, continue uh, to this day. They remember, and they say, "You're the first person that ever came to my door and asked for my vote." Uh, and, and and we believe face to face wins the race, and that's how I was able to win. Face to face wins the race. I like I like it. Um, you also. Um, I'm trying to remember where I heard this, but you developed a a novel way of of hanging your campaign literature because uh, in some... The, the normal way of, of putting it in a mailbox is not actually legal. It's not legal. People right. buy it. Uh, which, you know, 
local folks take note because uh, we, we certainly get our get our share of, of things stuffed in the mailbox uh, in an election year. Mm-hmm. But so so what did what did you end right, up doing? You know, so, so again, so our campaign, you know, you, you know, we didn't have big money. You know, the fancy campaigns, you print literature in the shape of a door hanger. Um, so what we did is we got a couple buddies of mine in my basement. I got a couple pizzas and we actually had a party where we'd punch holes in the literature. You tie a rubber band through it. And all of a sudden, <laughs> for about yeah. one cent, you got a door hanger. Yeah. And the added benefit is somebody's going to have to take that off their door when they go and, into their house and so they're gonna have be, it in their hand it'll be noticeable as yeah. well but i tell people all the time i, I you know i i i say you know old-fashioned politics you know you know the the, the flash is great and, and and it's great to be able to be on tv with commercials and it's, and it's great to be able to run fancy high-tech campaigns at the local level people just want elected officials that show up right, so, right. You, know, you know say i i say it all the time i say you know decisions are made by those who show up and elections are won by those who show up Right, and at the local level, if you just show up and you show that you're sincere and earnest about wanting the job and wanting to make a difference, uh, I, I think the voters will appreciate that. Yeah, and and they did because they reelected you to the school board to a second term. That's right. Um, one thing that I found interesting as a feature of your um, your your first term here as legislator is the transparency uh, with which you operate your uh, your 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 government. Um, sure. You know. You are um, 25 years old now, mm-hmm. and so you grew up in an era of social media, social media being right. ubiquitous. And I, I remember, you know, I follow politics somewhat on Long Island. So when you got elected, I, I, you know, liked your Facebook page. And I was surprised to see that after the first legislative session, you had listed in a post all of the bills, how you voted on each one, and and if asked, you would provide the justification for that vote. That is something I can say in, you know, the 52 years that I've been alive, mm-hmm. I have never seen a Long Island politician do in any any way, shape, or form. And, and, and I've, I've asked her, and I think I'm the only elected official on Long Island to do this. And, and you know, look, it's an incredibly arduous task in terms of, uh, you know, justifying every single vote I take. But what I say is every time I raise my hand in Mineola, I'm representing 90,000 people, and they deserve to know the decisions I make. And, 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 and more importantly, um, you know, people are busy, right? People are working harder than ever and they have families and they have busy lives. Uh, it's very difficult to go procure the minutes from a meeting, understand what you're voting on and what, you know, it's, it's my job as the, the representative to, to justify to the people what decisions I made and why I made them. Uh, so I continue to justify every single vote I've ever taken as a legislator. I justify it on Facebook. And uh, the response has been really amazing because people, they appreciate the honesty. Right, yes. because I, 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 I think it's 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 basic honesty in terms of it's it's not just if I'm asked about a vote, uh, it's the fact that I'm bringing it to the light and I'm saying here's why I voted on your behalf, and I think it's engendering confidence in the residents that uh, I'm representing them well in Mineola. Um, and and it's it's interesting as a politician to use social media as a way to communicate with your constituents because you know. <laughs> You're going to get people who uh, want to engage on a positive level, but you're also going to get people who maybe are less positive or are yes. not particularly, um, or or they'll you know grab onto something and then it's you know you run the risk of your the comment section on your Facebook page turning into say the comment section on News 12, which I don't know if you've <laughs> had the chance to look at some of those. It's but a it's, scary place. It's a scary place. It's like the Wild West out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know I don't know if are there. Are there rules really? Can politicians, if someone gets cranky on social media, can they ban a, a person from commenting? And if they do, isn't that kind of like an issue with, um, you know, access and freedom of speech? And sure. So, so, so yeah. And, and and my staff and I, you know, we've been researching this because it's interesting. Because you know, at one point, you know, you know, we believe there is case law 
um, that shows uh, that you know that, that that you can't ban. On the other hand, um, there are elected officials in Congress and, and including the president who who have banned. So they uh, do it all the time, right? So so right. so what, what what my office has decided to do is we're actually coming out uh, with 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 two separate pages. One strictly for a government update, right? Because to me, if I'm providing updates about the district, uh, it doesn't matter whether somebody loves me or I'm their least favorite human being on this earth. They're entitled to that information. Mm-hmm. Likewise, the more personal outreaches that I make will be really my personal and, and, and my campaign page, uh, and, and and that can be filtered in terms of you know I you know Tom. Tom DiNapoli has been my mentor since I'm a kid. And he's he says, the New York State controller. That, that's yeah. right. And he was actually elected to his school board when he was 18. Um, and, and, and that's kind of how our relationship developed. And he said, Josh, in politics, you don't thick skins are overrated. You have to have a stomach of steel. <laughs> and, 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 and I always cemented that in my brain because what people say uh, oftentimes over the Internet, they would never say in person. Right. Uh, and, and politicians are easy targets. Um, however, uh, it, it doesn't matter what somebody says to me. Uh, I work for the people and I work for them. And therefore, if I have an update about a road fixture, if I have an update about uh, an emergency in the area, they're entitled to that information. So we're coming out with with, 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 with that page. Um, I, you know, and on the other hand, the more intimate details that I share, you know, you know, whether it's about my family or whether it's about you know, you know, myself, uh, that 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 can be a personal page. Sure. I mean, you know, once you, once you're in the public sphere, it doesn't mean that you abdicate your right to privacy. No, <laughs> completely. Um, but you know, transparency has been has been a theme of yours, and and. What I thought was really interesting is I actually, you have a book, right? You wrote a book called Political Gladiators, How Millennials Can Navigate the 21st Century Political Minefield and Win. Mm -hmm. And in there, you, you, in addition to sharing your own story, you go into the story of other younger folks who are running for politics and have been successful. Um, But, but. I, I got to wonder, there was an anecdote in there mm-hmm. that you shared about your own uh, run at, for the school board where, um, uh, where Dr. Hankin uh, um, took you after a, a meeting into, into a darkened gym and yeah. sort of offered you a, a quid pro quo mm-hmm. where she said, you know, if you run and don't criticize me, I'll provide you with right. whatever it was. And um, I mean, number one, it sort of validates what we all we're thinking <laughs> at the time it was really going on. But, uh, but I mean, w- w- would you say that that was sort of uh, an, an instructive moment in terms of the, the idea of government transparency? Sure. I think it was actually, you know, I, there have been many moments in my life that, 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 that have made a real difference in, in, in the, the direction of, of, of my time in politics. I think that was the most pivotal moment in my career really? uh, in terms of deciding what type of politician I'm going to be. And mind you, I'm 18, mm-hmm. right? Somebody just hands me my dream. Uh, and, and on one hand, you know, do you do what many politicians do, which is cut deals to do what's best for them? Right. Or do you maintain your integrity and roll the dice? And again, I was, I was a, a heavy underdog in that race with, with no guarantee of victory. Um, but do I maintain my integrity and do I do the right thing? And do I say, I'm going to stand for what I believe in and I'm going to stand for the people. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in my heart without a shadow of a doubt that I made the right decision. But uh, had, I, had I made the decision to go the other way, um, I, I, I believe my career would be very different. And I believe because I made the decision to stand up for what is right, win or lose. And, I, and, and I'm able to tell young people with righteousness. Fortunately, you won. Yes, for, for, fortunately, we did. But I tell you, I tell righteousness you, paid off in that instance. It did. And, and I, t- I tell young people, I say, I say, if you lead with righteousness, win or lose, you will have the same integrity that you had when you got into the race. And right. I said that at the end of the day is all you have because, you know, my mother reminds me, uh, the only thing you have is your reputation. It's the only thing you take with you. The most important thing, I mm-hmm. would argue. Yep. And, and, and that's why uh, I'm, I'm, 
I'm glad I made the, the decision to, to stay true to myself. And uh, I'm glad voters in Sayasa took a chance on me. And, and, and what I say, because young people from all over the country re- reach out to me and they say, Josh, you know, what's the secret? I, you know, I ran and I lost. And what's your secret to winning? Uh, I say, there is no secret. I say, I live in a, in a community that took a chance on me as a teenager. Uh, and, and I'm in awe that this community gave me an opportunity. And then communities of strangers who, I, you know, from, from Bayville to Glenhead to Roslyn, who had never met me, uh, took a chance on me at 23. Right? And people ask me, you, you, you know, you know what that means. Uh, it's why I work so hard because I work so hard to say thank you because I know very few of any people get this opportunity. Right? I'm the youngest legislator ever elected in Nassau County. No one's gotten this opportunity at my age, which is why I'm going to work as hard as I can day in and day out to say thank you. And, and that and that's that's appreciated. And um, it, it it is odd that you are the youngest uh, legislator in Nassau County. And what what I guess is is odder is. Is, is there anyone even close to your age in the, in, in the, uh, so in the I'm, legislature? I'm, I'm, I'm the only millennial in, in, in the legislature. And, and, and I say that um, at a time when young people are fleeing Long Island because we can't afford to live here, at a time when youth issues are really important in terms of, uh, you, you know, you know the environment and in terms of, uh, you know, attractive downtowns and, and you know, expensive commutes on the LIRR, um, the fact that the largest generation in Nassau County, millennials, has one representative uh, is a shame. And, and therefore, I, I call on young people from, uh, from, from Rockaway, you know, all the, all the way to the North Shore, all the way down to Wontaw, you know, you know think about running because we, we could use more young people in the legislature. And, th- and that has been uh, somewhat of a mission of yours. I mean, you know, your book is, is certainly geared towards getting more young people involved in politics. Um, it's interesting, though, that when you look at who, who really votes, yes. um, millennials are, are not the, the target audience of a lot of politicians because the thinking is, well, they're, they're really not coming out right. uh, so much to vote. I mean, in the 2016 election, you had 49% of millennials voting versus 69% of baby boomers. Now, that did go up in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how, do you, how do you get young folks engaged in the political process, not not so much running because, you know, it takes a, a certain kind of person who wants to go out there and run for political office, sure. uh, but just engage to the point where they show up at the ballot box because, you know, it, these issues are really, they affect young people. I mean, issues of uh, development, taxation, uh, what Long Island is going to look like, what Nassau County is going to look like 10 years from now. I mean, right. how do you how do you get them involved on that level? Well, so I tell, I, you know, I tell people all the time that that 49% turns into single digits at the local level. Right. Uh, and, and, and this, this is the real yeah, issue. That was is a that, national step. Right. Is that, is, yeah. that, is that young people are fixated on the presidency and Congress, uh, and, you know, because it's exciting. But at the local level, which really affects your life and where the action happens, young people do not vote uh, you know, in single, single digits, the 18 to 29 demographic votes. So what I do, and I think it's the best thing I do, is I run an internship program every summer with, you know, I love my, my rule is that nobody gets coffee because I'll never ask an intern to do anything I wouldn't do. Uh, but, but more than treating interns with respect is uh, I don't have one or two or three interns. I have a team of 50 to 60 interns that work for me every summer. <laughs> how, ma- how many does the average legislator have? Um, between between zero and two, wow. I, I, you know, I would say. So, so, so again, you know, because I'm full-time, uh, you know, I'm able to do this. But again, uh, I find that young people would rather work for me because I'm relatable, right? At 25, I, you know, I say I speak millennial, so I understand the issues. <laughs> I understand the issues they're going through, and uh, I design a program where I give young people agency over their summer. So, uh, you know, the reason I was elected, a huge reason, is I had an intern team of 50 with the average age of 16 in 2017. That's, that's incredible. And what these young people did, not only did we knock on 23,000 doors, but these young people took control of social media and got me hundreds of thousands of impressions. They planned events in the community. They did constituent follow-up with issues in the community, met with civics and chambers, wrote letters to the editors, and we developed a team where 
I say that young people have limitless potential. They have limited opportunity. And right. it's my job to give them limitless opportunity and unleash that potential. And uh, I have an internship program this summer as well, hoping to have another 50 kids. And uh, we think we're going to do uh, some really good things in the community. Yeah, that's quite a quite an army to marshal. I mean, you are you are up for re-election this fall. That's right, this yeah. November. Um, have um, so everything I've read about you. This kind of brings me to, to the next thing I want to talk about. Everything I've read about you, every story in every paper, usually has the line that says. Joshua Lafazan, uh, an independent who yes. caucuses with the Democrats. <laughs> so, um, so do you do you feel like on a local level, having an approach where you're not so specifically tied to one party, is a way of of perhaps transcending all the political rancor that that exists in our country right now, right versus left, Democrats versus Republican? Because I just note that you know, even for Oyster Bay. Um, for um, Saladino's position that's coming up in the fall, the Democratic Party picked uh, James Altadonna, who sure. is a registered Republican, has run as a Republican in the past. Now, I don't know if that's more a Hail Mary on the part of the Democrats because they haven't had a, uh, a Democrat on the on the Oyster Bay Town Council in 20 years, or whether it speaks to some kind of that, plus, you know, your um, sort of not identifying so strongly with a party is sort of a harbinger of of the way forward in local politics. Sure. Yeah, And, so, and you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because... Uh, you, you know, when I ran for this position, I'm currently, you know, a blank, so I don't belong to either party. And I, and I think it's it's what makes me so effective at the local level. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, I say local level issues are nonpartisan. And the issues I care about are nonpartisan, right? Fixing roads is nonpartisan. Helping folks who are suffering from drug and alcohol addiction is nonpartisan. Making sure that we have, uh, you know, we're attacking the issue of homeless veterans in Nassau County is nonpartisan. Um, you know, ensuring that we're helping people with disabilities is nonpartisan. And actually, last week I passed my sixth and seventh bill into law. It's a record for a freshman legislator. And again, I get asked all the time how I'm able to do it. I'm able to do it because my Republican and Democratic colleagues work with me, right? Because when I went ahead and, and sponsored bills about drug and alcohol addiction, I went to Laura Schaefer across the aisle, who's a Republican, right? And and and, and she was able to help sh- uh, shepherd those bills through. You know, here it is when I sponsored two bills about ending veteran homelessness, I went to Bill Gaylor, who's a legislator and, you know, U.S. Army retired. Um, when I approach folks on the right and the left, I'm not the enemy. I'm a legislator who's earnest and sincere, and I don't get tied up in national politics. I'm staying local, and um, I was on Stu Varney, who was on Fox Business mm-hmm. uh, when I was 18, and, and I got advice from Doug Schoen, who's the political analyst on the show that I never forgot. He said, stay close to home, stay close to your constituents. So I tell young people when I speak to them, I'd rather be on the cover of the Syosset Jericho Tribune than Time Magazine any day of the week. <laughs> and I mean that in my heart. And it's because I've stayed local and I stay in my district. And I joke that uh, there's a geofence from Roslyn to Syosset. I'm not allowed to leave. But because I've stayed local in my district, uh, not only have I gotten to know the district, but uh, it, 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 it's, it, forces, it, it, it reminds me of, of the locality of the issues. Well, and, and it's not as if... Um Really, uh, the Nassau County Legislature has much sway over what happens in national politics, anyway. Right, right? nothing. <laughs> you know, and 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 and, that, and that's the thing is, you know, if I knock on the door, uh, t- typically what a resident wants to talk about is is the president, or they want to talk about Congress, they right. want to talk about issues in Albany. Uh, and, you know, and I remind them, uh, you know, I'm a local legislator. So if, you know, I'm here to talk about what roads can I get paved. I'm here to talk about what are the issues in the downtown. I'm here to talk about property taxes because the, the, the local level really is where the action happens uh, in, 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 in people's lives. And because I've stayed so focused uh, on, on, on making a difference at the local level, I've been able to pass some really important pieces of legislation, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, against my sixth and seventh bills into law. And uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to stay focused on quality of life at the local level. 
Well, I I, remember, I don't know if you recall, you know, uh, Al D'Amato, who was a senator and sure. Republican in New York, well before your time, almost before my time. And uh, they used to call him Senator Pothole because mm -hmm. what, what he was engaged, you know, he, it was it was retail politics. You know, sure. someone would call his office and he would and say, I got a problem in the street. And he would send somebody from his office out sure. to fix the problem. And that was extremely effective in in allowing him to keep uh, a senatorial seat in the state of New York, which is not known as a real Republican right. bastion. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, and I, and I, and one, some feedback I've gotten, you know, I, I sent out some feelers when I, uh, when you agreed to come on about people, if they had any questions or issues and the, the feedback I got consistently was, um, people mentioned things like that, that you, you always seem to respond to calls and emails and, um, you know, um, that, that that was sort of your style of politics was you were mm -hmm. you were going to address issues that came up in constituents lives as they arose uh right. bayville bridge being a good yes. uh, a, a good example like last summer the bridge was stuck open you were on your way to a vacation and you just kind of dropped everything and hustled over to bayville and and got on the phone with public works and and right. got the bridge done uh that that's kind of unusual in 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 politics, I would think, even, it, it, even at a local level. It, it, it is. And, and, and what makes me different, I, I think, is that, uh, you know, everyone has access to me. Uh, oftentimes, to get access to a politician at any level, you have to be either an influencer. I, I, I tell young people all the time, I say, politicians will pay attention to young people because they don't have two things. One are votes, right? They're influencers. Or two are money. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and oftentimes, the only way to get to a politician is you're an influencer in the community or you're a bundler for campaign donations. Everyone in this district has my cell phone. Everyone in this district has me on Facebook. Everyone in this district has my email. Uh, and, and everyone has access to me regardless of whether they have $10 million or whether they have zero. Uh, because I work for everyone. And, and you know, people call me naive, uh, you know, you know and, and call it my millennial naivete. But <laughs> I work for the people regardless of whether or not they support me. And I work for the people whether or not they donate to my campaign. I work for the people whether or not they, they, they even like me. I work for the people because this is my job. And, and I... I think perhaps because I started on a school board and it was such a hyper-local level where you're dealing with issues about people's children uh, and, and you have to be so responsive because the most important thing in people's lives are their children. Right. That it set me up on a path where uh, this is my style uh, regardless of whether I stay in the legislature or I seek higher office. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, and, you know, go, just going back a little bit, I wanted to talk about... Um, in your book, you would also mention the, um, the importance of having a, a, done some work in the community before running for local yes. office, right? And so, and I know the issue of uh, drug and alcohol abuse is something that's that's really um, you know central to to, to your uh, to your politics. Uh, so when you before you ran for school board, you actually started an organization in Syosset that gave rides home to some of your um, classmates who yes. may have not had as uh, restrictive an idea about drinking alcohol as you yourself did. Yes. Can you want to talk about that for a Sure. Minute? So I joke when I speak to uh, millennials and, and, and Gen Z, I say, I'm so old, I'm pre-Uber, right? Because this is, in, you know, in 2011, 2012, my senior year of high school, um, you know, drinking and driving, you know, was and is an epidemic, but especially among young people. Uh, and and the genesis of, of the issue, and I'm not sure if you're a Jets fan or not, um, but, you know. Well, yeah. you know, it's hard, but yeah. Sure. You know, we're, we're all recovering Jets fans. <laughs> uh, Braylon Edwards was was wide receiver on the Jets, mm -hmm. and he was uh, arrested for drinking and driving mm -hmm. uh, and he was summarily castigated by everyone on the radio how could you be so stupid to drink and drive what stood out to me was he was eligible for something called the player protect program which enables nfl players for to a free safe ride home 
365 from the 48 contiguous states. So if Braylon Edwards with millions of dollars and the support of the Jets organization and the Player Protect program could drink and drive, what was the emergency recourse for my Syosset High School classmates? And uh, I still don't drink to this day, but uh, especially when I got my license at 17, I didn't drink. Uh, So I, you know, as soon as I got my license, I became the de facto designated driver for the entire class of 2012. And I'd be taking home 20, 25, 30 kids a night. Uh, In fact, it got so That must have increased your popularity amongst your peers. It, 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 it definitely did. And uh, in fact, it got so bad that I, I, I would be getting home when my mom would be leaving for the gym in the morning around 4, 4.30. And, wow. and, and I was strictly volunteer. And, and, and quite honestly, uh, I said something had, you know, something had to give. So I invented Safe Ride Syosset. How it worked was that Syosset High School students who either drank or driven by someone who drank on Friday and Saturday nights would call my cell phone between 10 and 2. And myself and I had 40 volunteer drivers would go pick these kids up and take them home free of charge. And, and were uh, some of these kids, kids that you would originally picked up well and the greatest yeah, the greatest i know it's, it's the it's the greatest irony of the program and I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned it is that folks who you know, you know kids who were passed out in my backseat on friday night uh stayed sober on saturday night uh because when you take kids who are part, who are part of the problem and turn them into part of the solution amazing things can happen yeah. right so we had 40 volunteer drivers we started with just me for the first couple of weeks and uh, we took home 350 kids my senior year and there wasn't one single teenage drinking and driving accident really yeah which we which is it, it's the, the first thing i did in politics but it's 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 one of the things i'm most proud of that's uh, that's incredibly effective program thank you really yeah and 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 that carried on into uh into your into the other part of your public life i mean you were a member of the nassau county heroin prevention task force correct and long island council on alcoholism and drug dependence correct um and i guess as 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 part of that heroin prevention task force um working on addiction uh I guess you had a hand in opening up some 24-hour assessment centers and, and a hotline. Sure. So I'm, uh, you know, and, and addiction is near and dear to me. I've lost three friends to this disease, and I'm 25. Uh, you, you know, you know, which 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 is 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 heartbreaking. And um, the single proudest day I've had in this job is I passed Timothy's law. It's named after Timothy Kroll, uh, who lost his life. He, he lost his battle to uh, to heroin addiction in 2009. His mom, Terry for 10 years, turned her grief into advocacy. She's spoken to tens of thousands of kids. She was one of the very first people to be trained in Narcan on Long Island. Mm. I met her when I was 16. Uh, and, and you know, I was interested in politics and government, and she knew my father. And, um, you know, she told me the story of her son. And at 16, with maybe a little too much bravado, I said, Terry, my name is Josh Lafazan. It's a true story. And if you Google it, reporters, uh, you know, they love this story. Um, Josh Lafazan, I'm 16 years old. I'm going to run for the school board. I'm going to go to Nassau Community College. I'm going to go away to college. I'm going to come back. I'm going to run for a higher office, and we're going to name a law after your son. Uh, and I named Timothy's law after Timothy Kroll. And to have Terry there at the bill signing uh, showed me, number one, is is pe- people should be honored for their work. Uh, and number two is that this is a disease that we can beat. 23 million Americans are living in long-term recovery, right? Recovery is real and recovery is a miracle, but we have to get people the treatment they need. So this hotline entitles people in Nassau County to call and get a substance abuse professional on the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's going to be up and running this January and uh, it's it's a crowning achievement of mine here. That's fantastic. It really is. Um, and, and that kind of brings me back to um, um, the other issue I wanted to talk to you about briefly. I know we're kind of short on time. Um, but I watched your TEDx talk. Oh, thank you. Uh, and my wife and I have had this sort of discussion for a long time as to whether it, it makes more sense to spend your first two years of college 
at a community college and then transfer to a four-year college or just power through on the four years. Sure. I'm, I'm in favor of your approach. So mm -hmm. your TEDx talk was great fodder for <laughs> family arguments. Sure. Um, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, the obvious question is, would you have, do you think you would have taken that route had you not been elected to the school board? Because it also kind of keep kept you with your feet. feet sure. Hand. Right. So, and so, for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, um, why don't you explain what you what you did after high school? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. So I promised the voters in Syosset, you know, sitting here was one of them, that I would stay home uh, for at least two years and go to Nassau Community College so I could be a full-time school board member. Uh, I then was able to graduate from Nassau, transfer to Cornell University, where I got my bachelor's, and I actually commuted up to Ithaca on Tuesdays, back on Thursdays. Wow. And uh, I actually, after that, got into Harvard. I commuted up on Wednesdays and back on Thursdays for a one-year master's. Um, so people ask me, you know, you know, I have actually, it's like, a, I think I'm at 30,000 views in my TED Talk. It really took off. Mm -hmm. And I get, I get calls from all, all over the world, not just the country. You know, really? you know, what was it like going to community college? Because college is so expensive, and, and, and taking out a student loan is one of the most important decisions uh, a young person can make. Uh, and, and, and I tell people all the time, I said, Nassau Community College, was one of the single most important decisions I made in my life and one of the best decisions I made in my life. Um, you know, going to community college, not only did I love being a community college, I, I made great connections with my professors and I was in a really diverse environment in terms of thought and race and socioeconomic status, but it helped me get into Cornell and Harvard. And, and it wasn't just me. I have classmates from Rockland Community College, uh, you, you know, it's a Dutchess Community College all across, all across New York State and all across the nation. Uh, my friend Ryan, I actually, it's at, uh, you know, you know, he was at uh, Pasadena Community College. He's at Yale. I had friends at Cornell, friends at, you know, friends at all the Ivies. Um, because if you go to community college and you show that you can do the work at a high level, um, you will get into an exceptional college. And when you get there, your credits will be transferred. So you're basically going to an exceptional college for half price. Did you find that there was any um, difficulty transferring after the two years? Because, you know, some of the, some of the issue is, well, they only have so many spots open for sure. transfer students. So, and, you know, you have to really be dialed in at your community college experience. Right. And, and this is why I say Cornell. I mean, I, I, I am passionate about Cornell. My brother's a freshman there right now. Um, Cornell ILR takes an exceptionally large class of transfers. So all my classes, I was with transfers. I was living with transfers in the dorms. So I didn't stick out as the transfer. I was actually one of many. Right. Um, so, so I would say find a school that takes a big portion of transfers. But more and more schools take transfers because statistically, community college kids uh, do better at schools. They're more, they're more prepared to do the work. They're more mature by the time they get in. And um, you, you know, I think you're actually you're you're more mature coming into college because you've stayed home. Uh, you know, oftentimes you've got a job and you've worked and you saved up money and. Um, you know, you're not burnt out like a lot of kids are burnt out later in college. You're actually excited to be there and do the work. Yeah, I took a similar route myself. I went to school in the 80s. I spent two very expensive years figuring out that I wasn't quite ready for sure. college. And then I went back and I did go to Nassau for two years. And uh, I thought it was a great school. I, I had professors there that rivaled anything that I had gotten at four-year college. And I, so tell I was people, very pleased with my Because the TED Talk is called Nassau to Harvard. And yeah. I, I've studied under professors at Harvard who have changed my life. Uh, but professors at Nassau changed my life too. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, last thing, um, marijuana. Sure. <laughs> sure. Just drop in on that one for a minute. Um, so you, you were... Uh, uh, appointed by Laura, I guess, Curran to head the task force on the effects of marijuana sure. on uh, potential effects of, of legalization of marijuana in Nassau County. Um, and um, what uh, the effects would be of allowing dispensaries in Nassau County. Sure. And um, so the, I, I read, I didn't read all 109 pages of the report, <laughs> but I read, but I read a bit of it. And uh, I don't know. I, I, 
personally kind of disagree that's, that's with, okay. with, yeah. your, mm-hmm. with your with your conclusions sure. in that report. Um, my my thinking is that you know if if um, the way the track tax structure was set up in the current bill, a local government stand to receive forty four cents out of every dollar. So uh, this is a, right, and, 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 mm-hmm. and 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 I'm I'm guessing that the pushback on that is um, we're going to end up spending more. Uh, through the legal because marijuana is legalized, then we're going to get back in taxes, right? Sure. Well, well, the the, the issue is at the, at the beginning. You know, if actually, if you watched me at a press conference in January when when Laura appointed me, uh, revenue was at the forefront of all of our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but having studied the issue, uh, and and again, I was co-chair with the police commissioner, so I worked hand in hand. The cost to law enforcement were through the roof, and and the cost of the county were astronomical. And we met with the governor's people. And the governor's office could not give us an estimate of how much Nassau County would make. Um, so, so we knew through doing our own estimates that it would be a negative fiscal impact on Nassau County. Uh, more than that, really, what drove me was we had three public hearings, eight expert community round, uh, you know, eight expert uh, subcommittee roundtables, thousands of pages of academic literature. Um, communities in Nassau did not want dispensaries in their communities, uh, and and you know, before being the chairman of, the, of, of this task force, um, the legislator for this district. Uh, so I went around this community and, and people in, in, in District 18 didn't want dispensaries. Uh, so, uh, you know, ultimately, ultimately um, you know, I, I, I have allegiance to my conscience, but I also have allegiance to my district. Um, you know, people did not want dispensaries here. And, um, you know, we believe at the height of a public health crisis, right, we have 160,000 people uh, dying from alcohol and, uh, and drugs every year. We just didn't believe now was the time to legalize. Um, okay. I, 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 I can understand where you're coming from on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, if you're having, I mean, Suffolk County has also opted out, uh, or intends to opt right. out. And, but then you have Queens County, which is just over the border. Sure. And so really, you know, the reality is, I mean, if marijuana is legal statewide, uh, it, you, the only thing you're opting out of in Nassau County is, is you're sale, opting out right. of sales. So, um, people are going to drive to Queens. They're going to buy pot in Queens. They, they may be smoking it in their car on the way back to Long Island. Uh, aren't you kind of buying the, the the negative social consequences without getting any of the benefit on the flip side? So, and, and the argument to to um, to to dispensaries is, yeah, you don't want them. I mean, I don't want one located in downtown Oyster Bay right. or, or around here. But I mean, you can you can zone areas for that, can't you? And, and the same way you zone them for other sure. I, and and it was interesting because because you know the villages came out and the village association came out you know in unanimity that, that they didn't want dispensaries either. So it right. looked like um, you know you know truthfully you know we we understand that marijuana is a social justice issue, but we went into communities of color intentionally and spoke to leaders in communities of color uh, who said that they didn't want these dispensaries, but we knew that um, the these dispensaries wouldn't wouldn't be uh, you know in Sayosset or Oyster Bay uh, you know you know we you know we, we believe that the dispensaries would be located in communities of color so mm-hmm. at the end of the day we wanted to do right by them um, but but mo- I don't want you to think that I'm advoc- I was no no no, no, no. Those com- I was thinking more in industrial areas com- <laughs> you know com- 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 yeah. completely understood um, you know really really what it came down to is we hope that it's not legalized across the state because uh, there is an issue of people driving to Queens but at the end of the day the costs associated with dispensaries uh, in terms of enforcement uh, you, you know you know in in, 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 you know, not only from a law enforcement standpoint, but in terms of a regulation standpoint, um, you know, it would have a, ne- a negative fiscal impact. So, uh, you know, you know, we, we believe now is not the time. If we're wrong, right? Rational minds are, are always reevaluating data. If we're wrong, and if and, and if marijuana, uh, you know, is raising revenue in counties across the state through the roof, then 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 then. Any rational mind, and, and and I'm 25, so I never make a decision permanently. Right, right, but but you know, but 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 right now, I don't believe now is is the time to legalize. Yeah, it's one thing I, that was interesting in the state law that's been proposed is that once a community uh, opts in, they're not allowed to opt out after. Correct, that, but once right? they opt out, they, they they reserve the right to opt they back in. Exactly, right to opt back in. Yeah.
So that that's that, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're just about out of time. I, I mean, I could go on and on about the uh, marijuana issue all day. Uh, maybe we can reserve that for another time. Sure, I, uh, happy to come back. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I appreciate that. And then uh, the last point I'm going to make is in terms of what you're saying about accessibility, um, you know, to, to, to have you come for this interview, I, I sent you a message on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you responded and said, call the office. I called the office and, and I said, well, do you want me to, to, to come to his office? I can, I can bring some. And he's like, no, Josh will come to Oyster Bay. And I'm thinking you don't know who I am. <laughs> I could be some nut, you know? Um, so I'm hoping somebody did due diligence. No, we, 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 <laughs> uh, we, we did our homework and, 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 and what, what I'll say is I got 90,000 constituents, any, any of the 90,000, they want me to show up at their doorstep for an issue. I'm there. Well, and, and I appreciate that. And so thank you for coming down. Uh, I think it was good talk and, uh, you know, good luck in your election in the fall and hopefully we'll get to speak again. Right, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Okay. What'd you think of that? Pretty interesting guy, right? Well, hopefully I'll have another chance to sit down with him and get a little more granular on some of the issues. Um, Potholes are endlessly fascinating, are they not? Um, In the meanwhile, I'm working on a few other things for upcoming episodes. Hopefully you'll enjoy those. And um, have a good week. Go outside. It's beautiful. springtime. And uh, we live in a beautiful place. Take care, everybody. 